Manna or Meatloaf, Episode 75, Validation, Part 2. Hello, hello. So this is part two. Ooh, I hope you like it. And I hope you found some value in last week's part one episode, because this is just one of those topics that I've felt so empowered by. The more I learn about and practice implementing in my own life, the more I love it. So it's something I wish I had known better how to do when my kids were younger and still at home. And if there's a single suggestion I could make, it's to start your own study and development of the valuable skill set of validation earlier instead of later. My daughter-in-law, Heather, is so good at this. She's got a gift I love watching her listen to and really hear her kids. It's kind of funny. I feel like sometimes I do as well with most people, most places, and during most times. But without a doubt, there are times I fall short with this ability when it comes to the most important person in my life, my hubby. Or even at specific times, like when I'm tired or frustrated or overwhelmed. So this is really good for me to continue to research, learn about, and review this amazing topic. Like I said last week, maybe it's a good idea to re-listen to part one and then go right into this episode, if you can find the time, just simply because it ties it all together so perfectly and recaps why certain foundational concepts can be extremely helpful when we finally put them into practice. So for those of you who don't have that time, let me spend just a minute or two summarizing. A basic universal need for every single human being on the planet is to believe that one, I am of worth, two, my feelings matter, and three, someone really cares about me. I believe that one of the greatest gifts we can share with those valuable relationships in our lives and actually every other living human being as they face the unique challenges that they do and as they carve out their divinely appointed futures is to help them recognize the fulfillment of those needs through appropriate validation. I love the definition of validation given by Gary and Joy Lundberg from their book, I Don't Have to Make Everything All Better. They said, quote, Validation is being able to empathetically listen and understand another person's point of view without having to change it. Furthermore, it is the willingness to stand with someone during their emotional experience, end quote. One big point that I made last week, and I think it's one thing that constantly gets in the way of our offering real validation, is the lack of understanding that validation doesn't mean we have to agree with or condone another person's behavior. It only means that we are, like the Lundberg suggested, willing to stand by them emotionally during their experience. Bottom line, What our grandmothers told us about people not remembering what you said, but remembering how they felt when they were with you, is absolute truth. Everyone deserves to feel seen, to feel heard, and to feel loved exactly where they are and exactly how they are. And if you need a reminder on how to do that, re-listen, like I said, to last week's episode. 
Learning to validate others opens channels of communication. It develops trust, facilitates ownership for problem solving, prepares hearts to be taught, and may be one of the most important tools for interpersonal relationships. And like I said, it is certainly a skill set worth developing. Okay, now that I've recapped, I know you've heard those things, but I wanted to point out just the most important from last week if you don't have the time to re-listen. Let's move on to the practical real life applications. I learned so much from the book that I briefly made mention of last week. It's Michael S. Sorensen's best-selling book, I Hear You, The Surprisingly Simple Skill Behind Extraordinary Relationships. And he teaches a simple four-step method on how to validate someone. It's so good, and I highly recommend it. But just a few of the thoughts from his work that I'm going to share today. The first is to listen empathetically. Just a few sub-points he makes are to match their energy, for example. Quote, if the other person is happy or excited, then smile, laugh, and share in the thrill. If they're discouraged or sad, then be respectful and speak in a softer, more compassionate manner, end quote. And then he teaches to offer micro-validation, which are short comments, little bursts, words, or phrases like, are you serious? Or no way. That helps the person sharing feel like they're being heard and they feel more comfortable in their sharing. Step two is to validate the emotion. He says, quote, validate even if you disagree. Not only is it possible to validate someone you disagree with, it's advantageous to do so. When you validate the other person, they become significantly more likely to listen to a differing opinion or advice. Once you show that you truly hear them, they will be much more likely to hear you, end quote. Don't you love that? Sounds very similar to what I said in the last episode about how we teach our children, right? I remember sharing experiences with a friend that always left me feeling like our conversations were a little bit of a competition. If I was having a bad day, she was having a horrid, awful, terrible day and would proceed to tell me all about it. If I was tired, she hadn't slept one single wink all night long. And that can sometimes be a trap because in our efforts to show that we really do understand, it's important that we always point things back to the person we're validating and never make it seem like a competition. Number three of this method is to offer advice or encouragement if appropriate. Now, sometimes people just need validation for an exciting or proud moment. So advice may not be necessary, but encouragement is always appreciated. And try using the word and instead of the word but. This may help you avoid negating your own validating comments. This is one of my favorite and easiest tricks. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. You'll love it. Henry Ward Beecher agreed when he said, quote, the meanest, most contemptible phrase is that which first speaks well of a man and then qualifies it with a but, end quote. How often do we do that? And finally, step four of Sorensen's method is to validate again. So revalidate the emotion and validate the person's vulnerability in sharing that emotion with you. So now I want to walk through a few scenarios that may be very relevant today, and let's use this four-step method. And I want to use several examples that can be a little tricky because I think they really illustrate how easily these steps translate to real-life situations. So I just had a young single adult-aged friend tell me several months ago that she felt it was nearly impossible to find guys that wanted to date and develop relationships in college. She said that most of them just wanted to 
make out. (laughs) She knew, obviously, that there were great guys out there. She was just having a really hard time finding them. She was just saying how hard it was to want a relationship with guys like that. She said, what are we supposed to do? First, I listened empathetically. And that was easy. I could see how frustrating this was for her. She wants to move forward in her life. She's in a position where she'd love to get married and start a family and needs the right partner to do that. She feels like she's doing all that she can do, but is really kind of stuck. Step two, I validated her emotion. I said something like, wow, I can see why that's so frustrating and confusing for you. It's no wonder you feel stuck. I continued with something like, that's a tough one. What are you going to do? So it was interesting because she thought about that only for a split second and then responded, I think I want to date older, more mature guys, maybe returned missionaries. And we laughed a little bit. She made a joke about posting an ISO on Facebook or TikTok or something, making a reel about it. And then the subject was changed. So in this scenario, if the timing was right and this sister was open, you could even ask her, can I make a suggestion? And if she responds positively, then you have the green light to offer advice on something like, I don't know, living the gospel out loud to attract the kind of men you want to date and marry, which in this case, I knew she was already doing. I didn't need to implement step four with her at all because she validated her own formulation of the problem with her own answer. But in closing, I could have said something like, looks like you've got it all figured out. Way to go. Just to kind of pat her on the back and validate her for finding her own solution. Do you see how awesome that is and how naturally that takes place? Okay, what about someone who feels passionately against receiving the COVID vaccine? I've heard this so many times recently, one conversation went something like this. This person I was talking to said something like, why would the prophet urge us to get this vaccine if we already followed his previous counsel to fast and pray and find out for ourselves if it was right for us and our bodies? I'm having such a hard time making this decision because it goes against the personal revelation I felt like I received about what was right for me. First, I listen empathetically see his or her emotion, and show compassion for the wrestle they're going through. And this was very evident with this person. This was a person that was adept at following the prophet and had shaped their lives upon prophetic teachings. This was extremely hard for this person. How could I not see that? Number two, validate that emotion. I could say something like, I can see how hard this is for you, and I can understand why you might feel that way, or you're not alone in feeling that way, something like that. Remember, we can still validate the emotion they're feeling, even if you don't agree with their standpoint. Remember compassion and the covenants that we've made to mourn with those that mourn and stand with those that stand in need of comfort. Like I said, it was easy to see how difficult this was for this person. Validating that you see that is absolutely crucial. Number three, offer advice or encouragement. Now, this wasn't the time or place for me to offer advice. This person knew I may not share his or her thoughts or opinions and was a little bit defensive, but I offered encouragement. I said, the wonderful thing about you is I know you know how to receive personal revelation, and it doesn't really matter what I think. I have complete confidence that you will get the right answers for you. And last, step four is to validate again. 
You could say something like, I want to thank you for sharing your feelings with me. I can see why you feel so passionately about it. I will pray that you find the peace you are looking for in making this difficult decision. Now, obviously, don't say something like that if you don't plan on dropping to your knees immediately following the conversation. But you can see how validating that is, right? You believe in them to find the right answer for themselves. And remember that no matter how strongly you feel about a certain position, effective validation is not about helping them see the light or persuading them to join you on what you feel is the right side of the line. It is only about allowing them to find their own way and granting them the grace and understanding to walk by their side emotionally as they do. Now, This may seem to some like a passive approach or maybe an excuse to not stand up for what you believe, but that's not the case at all. For example, if you are this person's bishop and the Spirit has prompted you to offer counsel, then rest assured, you will know exactly when and what to say, and I do believe completely that that mantle of stewardship will always provide. So what if you are this person's parent? Again, I know that that mantle of stewardship over your young children will always guide you when you prayerfully approach the issue. And then trust me when I say, just as many others have, your older children will be much more likely to listen to your opinions when you listen to theirs. There is always a right time and place to take advantage of teaching opportunities, and in the heat of the moment isn't always that time. If you feel that it is, then just remember these steps, and remember we're going to try and use the word and instead of but, like I alluded to earlier. So let's continue with this example, the one of the vaccine, And let's imagine this time that this is your young adult-aged child and you're knee-deep in step three of four of this four-step method. So you're offering advice or encouragement. First off, well done. You're seeing, listening, and validating their emotional experience. So well done. Good job. Look what it sounds like if you say, I understand your concern and I see what a difficult decision this is for you, but we follow the prophet in this house. Okay, so now pay attention to how different it feels when you say basically the same thing using the word and instead of the word but. I understand your concern and I see what a difficult decision this is for you. And we will support you in whatever way we can through this decision-making process. You know how we feel though and we will continue to follow the prophet. Do you see how that continues to validate their feelings but makes your stance clear without causing them to feel defensive or at odds? It's so much more effective than an autocratic or authoritarian leadership position which we know doesn't always go over well, right? Especially with young people or their generation. Of course, many times that just leads to more contention or opposition or rebellion. Okay, we're doing so well with these validation skills, I want to add a really hard one. So I've had people ask, how do you validate someone who is living in a manner that contradicts gospel teachings and its doctrine? And I'm going to say, with love. First and foremost, remind yourselves, am I their judge? If so, approach it prayerfully. The Spirit will guide you to really see, hear, and love them exactly where they are. I know that. And you will find the sometimes delicate balance of validating them while offering the counsel or correction that they need. However, if you are not their judge, 
then you are their neighbor, right? Or their brother. And we love our neighbors and our brothers as ourselves, right? So listen empathetically, validate their emotions, offer advice or encouragement, and then validate them again. And they will feel that they are of worth, their feelings matter, and that we really care about them. Easy peasy, right? Yeah. What if someone trusts you enough to say, I'm gay or struggling with same-sex attraction? First off, congratulations for providing a safe space for them. I have many gay friends that grew up with our kids, and I love them and have actually had the following conversation with one of them. They said something like, no one understands what it's like and how hard this is. Don't I deserve to be happy too? Number one, again, I am listening empathetically. You can lean in, touch a hand to theirs to show them that you feel the pain this is causing them and that you still love them and accept them. They are, after all, wink, wink, your brother, your neighbor, remember? Number two, validate their emotions. Say something like, I can only imagine how hard it is for you to feel so misunderstood or... While I don't understand those feelings personally, I know you and I can see how hard this is for you. I'm so, so sorry that you're going through this or you're right. Everyone does deserve to be happy. Number three, offer encouragement or advice. Now, remember, if the time is right and they are receptive, you might say something like, I have a piece of information that you might be interested in. Can I send it to you and offer to send them a link to the church's website or North Star or something? North Star is a a nonprofit organization that the church supports, by the way. There's a plethora of information there and on the internet supported by the church, valuable resources that they may not know about. Now, remember here, you're not trying to fix anything. That's what their Savior is for. He alone can heal their broken hearts and reconcile those challenges through the mercy of His atoning gift. You are only validating and helping them feel seen, heard, and loved. If you sense that they just need encouragement, you can say what I said. The thing I know about you is you've done an amazing job of steering your ship through life so far. And I have complete faith in you that you'll find your way. Now, this person had kind of a rough childhood, and so I meant what I said. You could say something like, what do you need from me during this journey? Or you know how much I love you and I want the best for you. We may not agree on exactly what that looks like, but I am here for you and will continue to love you no matter what. Now, here's an even tougher one. What if they ask you to show support in a way that contradicts what you are capable of or that you just aren't willing to do? So I want to share a personal experience. I was asked in a very roundabout way to perform a civil ceremony between one of my closest friend's daughters and her partner. I love this girl, whether she marries a man or a woman. I've been close friends with her parents for close to 20 years. It's not my choice or my journey. My only command is to love her. And that's so easy. She's so lovable. I adore this girl. I didn't actually end up having to make that decision due to COVID. And then eventually they had a destination wedding. But I got to ask myself some really tough questions. And eventually it came down to the thoughts that as long as I didn't contradict any gospel principles or lead anyone to misunderstand where me or my testimony stood, and if I could squeeze in a mention of God or two, 
I felt like I could validate my love for her in that simple way. Now, I'm not sure everyone would agree with my decision. And like I said, I didn't actually have to make that decision in the end, but it was really good for me to go through the motions regardless. Each of us at some point are going to have to ask some really difficult questions and do a gut check with the world we live in and the obvious challenges that plague us. But in doing so, I'd like to draw your attention to a few simple truths. One is I know full well that it's no one's job to make us feel a certain way. We are fully responsible for the thoughts that drive us to feel the way we do. But that being said, I'm also reminded of verse 3 of the hymn, Lord, I would follow thee. I would be my brother's keeper. I would learn the healer's art. To the wounded and the weary, I would show a gentle heart. I would be my brother's keeper. Lord, I would follow thee. I had an experience one time with one of my children who was making one of the biggest decisions of their lives, and I had some real concerns that maybe they were leaning toward the wrong choice. As I was expressing my concern and worry to a dear and very wise friend, she listened intently, and when I finally took a deep breath and said, Don't you agree? She said, Do you really want to know what I think? I, of course, told her, Obviously, that's why I'm talking to you. She told me, you know, don't you, that there's only one Savior, right? Oh my gosh, you guys, I looked at her totally like I sound right now. I was totally dumbstruck. She put her arm around me and gently said, and you know that it's not you? I was still trying to wrap my head around her point because, of course, I knew that. While she continued, there is only one person that can save your child from this or anything, and that is Jesus Christ. It's not your job. Your job is to love this child, encourage them, and be a safe place for them to land. The more you try to do God's job, the more you get in God's way. If you want to help your child, point them to Christ. Oh my gosh. If you don't think I dropped into a puddle of sobbing tears right then and there— I will never forget that lesson that she so beautifully taught me because it's absolute truth. Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, is our brother and as always is the perfect exemplar. He sees our hearts when we can't say the words. He listens to every cry and the pleadings of our hearts and He sends His love. He validates that we are of worth, that our feelings matter, and that He really cares. That being said, We also live on earth among imperfect people like ourselves who are all just trying to do the best they can and strive to be more like Christ as well. Learning to communicate and validate effectively is one way we can be His hands on earth. I want to refer again to Mark Ogletree's Ensign article that I mentioned earlier, and I really want you to hear this. Quote, As you engage in meaningful conversations— Guide your actions and words by following the example of Jesus Christ. His communication with others radiated love, care, and concern. He spoke gently and loved purely. He showed compassion and granted forgiveness. He listened attentively and demonstrated charity. Likewise, if we want our relationships to improve, we must learn to speak in positive ways that edify and build those around us. End quote. Sounds like validation to me. 
Being able to genuinely support others through effective and loving validation will increase our influence with them and create authentic and valuable teaching and ministering opportunities that may not be present otherwise. It will also support others as they solve their own problems. Most importantly, again, I believe the utilization of this powerful tool will help others feel seen, heard, loved exactly where they are and exactly how they are. As I prayed ever so fervently and prayed and prayed and prayed the week before um, I spoke at this special priesthood meeting that our stake held, I was really struggling with a real desire to express the thoughts of my heart knowing that it may not be a popular or entirely welcomed message. I prayed that I would just be able to say what my Father in Heaven wanted me to say that morning. And I got up from one of those prayers and literally picked up where I left off in my Come, Follow Me study of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 124. And if you want the same confirmation about what I've shared today, you can go back to verses 22 through 24 and verses 60 through 61 of that section, and you'll see that the heading reads, quote, The Lord wants me to welcome and accept others, end quote. You guys, it doesn't say welcome and accept those who look like or dress like or keep the commandments like me. That sounds like seeing, hearing, and loving others right where they are to me. And again, as always, Christ sets the perfect example for us of just exactly how to do this. In John chapter 8 of the New Testament, we're taught that Christ did not condemn the woman taken in adultery. It says he, quote, stooped down, end quote, to write on the ground before her. I like to think that he got down to her level to really see her and the result of where her choices had taken her. Verses 10 and 11 reads, quote, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more, end quote. I pray that as we turn to that very Jesus to guide our own hearts, that he can soften and transform them and teach us how to learn this life-changing skill that will, like I said in the previous episode, allow us to be his hands on earth, to uplift, encourage, and support our fellow travelers as we help those we come in contact with feel truly seen, heard, and loved. Now, if you have any tips or experiences that you'd like to share with everyone, please comment on my Mana or Meatloaf Instagram page so that we can all help each other along as we're trying to become better at our validation skills. So that's all for now. Until next week, go out and practice yourself some validation. <music>